over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the history of fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary. And welcome, everyone. This is our second mini-sode, Fashion History Mystery Edition. Yeah, uh, last week we answered some questions about how do you become a fashion historian? And one of the other biggest questions that we've received over the last year is, give me some book recommendations. (laughs) So that's what we're going to chat about today. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many wonderful books out there to choose from, um, really kind of spanning um, all kinds of different topics and throughout history, different cultures all over the world. But April and I kind of just picked some of our favorites. uh, And I actually don't know what you're going to pick, April. So let's hear what you've got. I know. We did that on purpose. So there may be some crossover. We're not sure yet. But basically, I just went into my quote-unquote library, which is like the massive amount of bookshelves that I have in my bedroom. And I pulled out five books that I thought were good, like basic starting places, like the building blocks of fashion history. Mm -hmm. So let's go from there. Yeah. And I have to say, I love April and I are both book fanatics. I have hundreds, if not maybe a thousand books at this point. April, you color coordinate yours. Yes. um, Mine are arranged from white to black in a rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's really beautiful. But it also helps me know like where that particular book is, because like, I know, for instance, that this book is a peachy pink, or this book is like bright turquoise. Like, that's how I know how to find all my stuff within the hundreds and hundreds of books that I have. Yeah, mine are very loosely categorized by topic. But you know, there's so much crossover, it's a little hard to do that. (laughs) So what fashion history basic building block books do you have for us? Okay, so I have a few. Um, I think on last week's episode, we already talked about how much we both love the Kyoto Costume Institute catalog, which is just called Fashion. Um, So we're going to skip over that one, being as we've already mentioned it. quickly, I want to say that that book can usually be found at Barnes & Noble for $20. Yes, and there's different versions of it. Like Uh some of them are like, it's like a double volume. Some of them are smaller, but you can get that used on Amazon or it's, it's readily available, and it's a fantastic overview of fashion history. Add it to your library immediately. Um, and speaking of, last week, I, the first book that I would like to recommend is a general overview of modern fashion history, and that is by somebody I talked about last week, Nancy Deal is the author, and her co-author is Daniel James Cole, and their book is called The History of modern fashion. So it really starts in the 1850s and goes all the way through the 20th century. So check that out. Yeah, and that actually came out the same year Fashion the Art of Pochoir. Yeah, which I'm sure we'll touch on at the end. <laughs> a little bit of shameless self-promotion goes a long way. <laughs> Cass, what's your first selection? So I actually uh, did something a little different. I just kind of picked my favorite fashion books. I went to, to my shelf and just kind of pulled out titles that really I go back to time and time and again for research, but also just for fun. So for fun, one of my favorite visually beautiful fashion books is Fruits, mm, which is all yes. about Japanese street style. So it's just, there's multiple editions of it. It was a magazine originally. Yeah. And 
it just goes out and basically captured, I don't know, it's probably from early 2000s, captured Japanese street style. And there's all the different tribes and different groups um, that really are committed to dressing in these incredibly beautiful, wonderful, fantastical. I think Harajuku girls is what we're talking about here. Yeah. And so um, I think FIT did a Harajuku uh, exhibition a few years ago. And mm-hmm. the women, even just in New York, who follow um, and dress in those same Japanese styles, a lot of them came to the exhibition. So it really just is a celebration of the art of dress, which I love. And I can't recommend that book enough. The book is great. Um, there, I actually used to subscribe to the magazine, which was kind of difficult to get it shipped to you directly from Japan and not cheap. So I have a whole cache of fruits actually in my Ooh. bookshelves. So next time you're here, you can take a look at them. Let's see. Well, I have one book that's not um, a basic overview. It was like just one of my all-time faves, and that is Queen of Fashion by Caroline Weber. I did pick that one, too. Oh, <laughs> so there you have it. It's, it's a unanimous vote for Queen of Fashion. Yes. Um, the subtitle of which is What Marie Antoinette Wore to the Revolution. And one of the things that I love about this book is that it really underscores the relationship between fashion and politics. Everything on the surface is not as it seems, as you will learn if you read this book. And I actually read this over Christmas break um, when I was in grad school and was, you know, in love immediately. I I basically did not put it down for three days until I read the entire thing. Yeah, and what I really like about this, this particular type of biography and um, the Duchess of Devonshire biography that came out a couple of years ago was was like this as well. Wasn't that by Amanda Foreman? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. And it inspired the movie. But what I love about these types of nonfiction books is they're written in a style that really reads like this fascinating, titillating novel, mm-hmm. but it's all nonfiction. Yeah. So you really can't put it down when you're reading about, you know, Marie Antoinette arriving as this young, impressionable girl. She's stripped of her clothing to cross over. Into France. Into France. Um, and then, you know, just what she had to go through. And, of course, for fashion historians, uh, because Carolyn um, is a fashion historian, the book's Actually, author. Actually, she, she's not. She's she not? She is a professor of literature at Barnard. Mm. She just She's a professor of French literature at Barnard, so she just happens to mucks about in that fashion well, she history realm. Bring, she brings it to life. She yes. she describes it in detail. That is just, for people like you and I, it's quite wonderful to um, in helping to picture what it would have been like. Yeah. And um, Caroline told me one time that she wrote that book in nine months. What? Which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which if you, if you read the book and like understand the like, extreme level of research that went into this. My mind was blown when she told me that. Surely she'd been researching for years and then wrote it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, she'd been been working on Marie Antoinette for a while, but basically Mm -hmm. she sat down and just like Mm -hmm. cranked that book out in nine months. I wonder if the movie, if um, the movie came before or after the book, because I feel like this book would have inspired the movie much like Duchess of Devonshire. Do you mean um, Sofia Coppola's Marie Uh Antoinette? Mm -hmm. I think I'm looking. I have the book right here. I'm looking at the publication date. Oh, look, she signed it to me. The publication date was 2006. So I'm not sure when. Marie Antoinette came out in 2006. So it was in the air. Yeah. Uh, What's your next pick? 
Uh, well, my next pick is, again, a nonfiction read that reads like um, a Hollywood drama, I guess. Um, and it's called The Beautiful Fall. I knew you were going to pick that one. <laughs> Fashion, genius, and glorious excess in 1970s Paris. So it's by Alicia Drake, and she's um, a journalist. And so I'll just read you the back of it, and you can kind of understand um what it's about. So in the 1970s, Paris fashion exploded like a champagne bottle left out in the sun. <laughs> Amid sequins and longing, celebrities and aspirants flocked to the heart of chic and Paris became a hothouse of revelry, intrigue, and searing ambition. And at the center of it all were fashion's most beloved luminaries, Yves Saint Laurent, the recluse, reclusive enfant terrible, and Karl Lagerfeld, the flamboyant freelancer with a talent for reinvention, and they divided Paris into two fabulous halves. So she really is talking about this enduring rivalry um, because they were friends and um, and kind of their careers were kind of paralleled and sometimes it crossed over. But it's just this very um, incredibly fascinating kind of juicy glimpse into 1970s Paris and very um, young uh, Yves Saint Laurent and Karl Lagerfeld. And <laughs> to add to the scandal quite scandalous. Carl actually sued her after the book came oh, out. I did not know that. Yes. Um, hmm. So because he felt it was intrusion into his private life, because she really did dig deep. She interviewed people that were related to both of them, that knew them. She went to where they grew up. So she did her research, but um, it's quite revealing. And how did this lawsuit turn out? That's a good question. I don't actually know. I don't think huh. it, it happened because the books would have had to have been I know I, I do know in France for a time it wasn't allowed to be sold there and that it may never have been sold in France. Mm, so interesting. Um, but it's really interesting because it opens and it talks about how Yves Saint Laurent and Karl Lagerfeld were both winners of the International Wool Fashion Design Competition in 1954. So mm -hmm. um, Karl Lagerfeld was 22 and I think Yves Saint Laurent was 18. And so to, to just know that these two luminaries of fashion met in this way and then how their careers unfold. It's just really fascinating. Yeah, well, this reminds me of a book that I actually did not pick, but now that you're talking about um, The Beautiful Fall, it reminds me of Gods and Kings. Yes, which I have is, not read that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know, I know, it's I'm bad. gonna, when we get done recording this, <laughs> I'm going to go on Amazon and send I you have a it. copy. I have it, I haven't okay. read it, and I have okay. it. Okay, anyway, <laughs> uh, that particular book is also one of my favorites, and it's about the parallel career trajectories of Alexander McQueen and John Galliano. Yes. Um, and that's by Dana Thomas. She is an American fashion journalist who's been working in Paris for a very long time. And I really have to say that that book is kind of like a tour de force of writing mm -hmm. because what could have been this very kind of like dry like research, she weaves this incredibly intoxicating tale about yes. how these two um, kind of crossed paths, even though Galliano was much older. Um, they were both uh, the designer at Givenchy at certain points. Mm -hmm. So um, check that out. And I have to say, the end of the book is a little dark. As we know, Lee committed suicide, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great read and I aspire to write like her someday. Yeah, that's how the beautiful fall is too. And and Queen of Fashion just it's not dry, it's a tale and a story. Um and it's true. So mm -hmm. those are the best types of books. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right. So what's next on your list, April? Um, well, speaking of Paris fashion, I would like to recommend a book called Paris Fashion, which is yes. by Valerie Steele. Mm-hmm. Um, this book came out many years ago, but has been recently re-released, updated and re-released with additional text and new images. And it's called Paris Fashion, A Cultural History by Valerie Steele, who is, of course, the director of the museum at FIT. And Valerie has written like 25 books. So anything by her, just check it out. Yeah, it's a really, really good and fascinating read. And uh, my book, which kind of overlaps, and she does reference in there, I believe, um, Glass of Fashion by Cecil Beaton. Oh, yes. And we will do a episode on Cecil at some point during this next season. Yes. So Cecil Beaton was this incredibly fascinating person in his own right, and there has been um, a lot written on him. Um, But he wrote this book called Glass of Fashion, and um, it's illustrated by him as well. And he basically just touches on all of these key figures and fashion movements from his childhood until I think it was published in the 50s. I can look right now. Um, So my, he says, uh, The Glass Fashion, a personal history of 50 years of changing tastes and the people who have inspired them. So he grew up in the Edwardian era and he just remembers being so fascinated by um, what women wore and um, what his mother wore. And so I was going to read a little the, a little clip from it. Um, the women who leaned over my crib had not yet forgotten the lines of the hourglass and were laced into corsets that gave them powder pigeon bosoms and protruding posteriors perched on their heads and elevated by a little roll just inside the crown were hats which had, had grown as frivolous as the milliner's trade could make them enormous galleons of gray velvet with vast gray plumes of ostrich feathers sweeping upwards and outwards, or they would be trimmed with artificial flowers and fruit. And he just has this wonderfully expressive way of explaining fashions. He, of course, one of my favorite parts is when he talks about Gabby Delee. He just remembers being a young boy and meeting her in her mauve dress and just being so inspired by her that you can tell this is really where he found his path to fashion was as a young boy. And... He later would design in the 1950s with Audrey Hepburn. My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady. Thank you. Oh, my God. That's embarrassing. So a lot of the styles in My Fair Lady, costume designs by Cecil Beaton, were inspired by women like Gabby DeLee in his youth. And if you want to learn more about Gabby, who's one of Cass's all-time favorite fashion icons, we have already done an episode about her in season one. Very true. She's incredibly fascinating. And like we said, Cecil Beaton to come this season for sure. Mm-hmm. And I have a little uh, personal tidbit about Cecil. Cecil also designed the costumes for the film Gigi, starring yes. Leslie Caron. <laughs> and I was so obsessed with that film as a child that um, that's why my French bulldog is named Gigi. <laughs> True yes. story. Yes. We love Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my next pick, I have to say, I haven't forgotten about you gentlemen out there. Uh, this is a book about the history of menswear. I have a word of warning here. It is out of print. Um, so it's a little bit hard to get your hands on if you'd like to buy a copy, but there are plenty of copies out there in um, libraries. 
Yes. And if you don't know this already, just about any library or public library will do this thing called interlibrary loan. And you just request them to get a book if they don't have it from a different library and, and it shows up at your library and you have it for a period of several weeks. Um, but this one is called A History of Men's Fashion and it's by Fareed Shenowen. Um, and it's a really wonderful overview, starting with the history of dandyism, um, moving all the way into uh, the beginning of the 20th century. Let me let me see when it ends here. I have to have to flip to the back. Yeah, it looks like it ends in the 80s, but it's, it's great. Wonderful illustrations in here as well. There aren't two terribly many overviews of the history of men's fashion, no. I have to say. That's why this book is especially important. So budding fashion historians out there or anyone who needs a new topic, um, yeah, menswear is definitely a, peri- uh, a subject matter that could deserves a lot more attention. Mm-hmm. Cass, do you have one more? My last and final is just one of my favorite books because we all know how much I love this designer, and that is Paul Poiret's memoir, which is really fun to read. Some of it you have to take with a grain of salt because we know mm-hmm. he was quite um, given to expanding and expounding, but he's <laughs> he's just so fascinating and amusing um, to read. So um, I would check that out. Uh, What's that, the title? Um, King of Fashion. And yes. it was uh, pu- republished by the VNA, um, gosh, 10 or so years ago, but you can definitely get your hands on it still. Absolutely. Um, what about any other fashion history news from this week? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be a week, I guess, if there wasn't something scandalous happening in contemporary fashion. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're just going to call this segment, Stop Being Racist. Yeah, or Get a Clue Fashion. It's time to, yeah, something's got to give because there's all these PR nightmares happening time and time again, and nobody is learning their lessons. So I'm sure everyone follows Diet Prada. If you're not on Instagram, um, you should, but they basically just call out people and say, stop doing this. Or, hey, we know that you're doing this. And now everyone else does too, because they have quite a few followings. Right. Whether that be like doing something that's like racist or whether it's like straight out copying. Copying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the Stealing. latest scandal. <laughs> Yeah, the latest scandal this week involves Gucci, which I'm I'm a little bit sad about because I have been a fan of what Alessandro has been doing there the last few years. Um, but uh, the latest scandal is a black turtleneck sweater that the turtleneck folds down. But if you pull it up, um, it reveals um, some red lips with a hole cut out and basically makes it look like you're wearing blackface. I don't, yeah. Why? <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> and why? Yeah. And I mean, similarly, Prada put out a keychain. I think it was like a month or so ago. Um, kind of the same similar features. And mm-hmm. it, it just, it's amazing to me that people or who, these companies that are billion dollar companies at this point um, are letting these sort of things kind of slip by them or intentionally... Right. Well, I mean, here's my question. How does it go from like the conception phase, like all the way through like design and execution yeah. and, and, and nobody is like, Hey, what's up? But apparently this is a whole thing. It's all over the news as well in terms of politicians and Robin Gavon a few days ago, who's actually already been a uh, guest on uh season one of dressed. She is of course the wonderfully talented 
fashion journalist for the Washington Post. She wrote an article about this a few days ago, and I just have a little quote from her from, from the article. She says, quote, Blackface refuses to let darker skin be its own, unalterable baseline. It negates the idea that blackness is a part of a person's humanity, that it is a non-transferable essence of who they are. It reduces identity to a pot of grease paint to a joke. Yeah, and that sweater, by the way, retailed for $890. And, you know, Gucci put out a statement and they, they said, we deeply apologize for the offense caused by the wool balaclava jumper. We consider diversity to be a fundamental value, to be fully upheld, respected, and at the forefront of every decision we make. And basically that it's, you know, a powerful learning moment for the Gucci team and beyond, but it still doesn't address how it happened. (laughs) Right. Right. So anyway. Um, But I mean, you know, they're going to learn because there's a huge backlash and people are calling to, to boycott the company. And, you know, that's the wonderful thing about today is these sort of things can spread like wildfire thanks to social media and so many people can get involved so quickly to mm-hmm. kind of address these things immediately. Yeah. So, so I think that is about it for us this week. If any of you have questions that you would like for us to address on Fashion History Mystery, you can feel free to email us at dressed at iheartmedia.com. Yeah, and we will start digging into some of the your fashion history mystery questions um, throughout the season. So let us know what you want to know, and April and I will answer. All right. Catch you Tuesday. Bye. <laughs>